0: Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Check out our amazing offers on Xfinity Internet. You'll get fast speed and Wi-Fi coverage you can count on. Plus, get advanced security free with the XFi Gateway so you can keep the connected devices in your home protected from network threats. Just log in and activate through the Xfinity app. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply.
3: We're here for another episode of Film Study. Today, we're going to start talking about free agency, and and uh, joining us on the and jo- joining us on the show, is Ed Lup. Ed, how are you doing?
4: Life's good, Ken. How about you?
3: I can't complain, not even a little bit. Uh, especially since I'm over that uh, that playoff game at this point. But we're going to talk a little bit of offensive line today in terms of free agency, and and we're going to be looking through each of these positional groups with online personalities or other bloggers who have or positional experts who we've picked each pick one group and try and find some players. And the idea is this, who are good fits for the Ravens, not necessarily the highest price guys. I saw your list, Ed, looks pretty good in terms of not having just all high price guys, uh, but has characteristics that fit what the Ravens need for 2020 and beyond. So Ed, I'm gonna I'm gonna start you off, and we'll just go through your players one at a time. We'll talk about this, and hopefully build a little bit of consensus of characteristics that the Ravens are looking at, rather than necessarily identify exactly the players who uh, who will sign.
4: Certainly. So should we build it up in a particular order?
3: Well, I, I, let's. I'm sorry, I've, I missed a step here. So let's go with first of all, where do they find your work? Where do they find you on Twitter? Do you do some writing anywhere that's posted?
4: So on. On Twitter, you can find me at Vengeance. It's a shorthand spelling of the word Vengeance. So it's V-E-N-G-N-C-E. You'll find most of my commentaries about football, basketball, and boxing. And when we start ramping up for the draft, I will start hitting more, let's say, uh, tweets. I'll be more in the universe there for that. All
3: right. Very good. All right. So uh, the floor is yours. Uh, honestly, you've you've done the work and the, the research in terms of who these players are. I'd like you to start and to go in the order you'd like to go. Uh, uh, highest to lowest, lowest to highest. Maybe 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 highest to lowest is best. But you make the call.
4: Okay. Um, I'll lay out the groundwork for how I did this first. So I went back and I watched official NFL films highlights of at least two games of. Four guys that I'm, let's say, watching right now. And for each of those, I wanted to make sure these offensive linemen had a high snap count in that game according to pro football reference. So I want the biggest sample size in the smallest amount of time. Sounds and good. The, and the first guy I discovered was Ben Garland out of Air Force, who is now with the San Francisco 49ers, who did not win the Super Bowl. <laughs> All right. So going backwards, way back to when Garland actually graduated, he played in the Air Force triple option team that was actually in the military bowl. It was a shootout uh, many years ago, nine years ago, where they famously failed a two point conversion and did not beat Toledo in that game. Uh, So he has experience with the option scheme, which is fit for Roman's offense. So even though that I'm well aware that San Francisco's had different styles of offense over the past years, and they certainly don't run, uh, let's say, gap read with Jimmy Garoppolo, because I don't think that would work. Um, He has some experience there, and it still works, in my opinion. Uh, So the game that I noted here is his game against the Vikings. And this was the game that was actually in the playoffs. Uh, He does play guard and center. But in this game, he played guards. Um, I'm sorry, center specifically. Uh, So here are some of the things I noticed in that game, for better or worse. uh, Basically, just pure fact as to what happened on certain plays. So you can try to basically take, we'll say, either Skura or Bozeman and see if they could do the same thing that he does relative to potential cost. And here's what I found. On multiple times, he was able to pass a block from his position to the guard without that block being shed or being missed. Several times, though, uh, I counted two or three, so that would actually be that would be several, a couple is two.
0: Um,
4: he was beaten by a bull rush. Now, I'm well aware that in the Ravens' scheme this year that McCary was susceptible to this, too, if not mistaken. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Well, I,
3: I think McCary is probably more physical, but he does get shed a lot, so he's at he's at risk of getting beaten the passing game, certainly, as, as a okay. pass blocker. Hmm.
4: And that's okay. fair. Uh, he did actually pick up a level two block on Lance Kendricks, who's a pretty decent middle linebacker. Um, he also actually had no responsibility when there was a sack off the edge because that was just a pure whiff on the right tackle so it wasn't a communication issue Um, anything that was between literally him going down the line was not his fault period he did not give up a sack in this game Uh, I did credit him for uh, one and a half pressures I don't remember what that equates to in your grading you want to chime in on that
3: no, I, I wouldn't be able to without more information about missed blocks and and uh, mm-hmm. penalties and such. But uh, that that's fine. We don't have to we don't have to convert it. Uh, can I give a little bit of background on Garland here for for a second? Garland took t- took over as the starting center in week 15, and he had played some snaps before then. But he missed the Baltimore game. He I think he was active, but he did not he did not uh, play in that game. And it, One thing about the or did not did not uh, play on the offensive line in that game, I should say. But anyway, the the uh, the guy's been in the league or been he graduated from college and was in the the 2010 available in the 2010 draft, did not play an NFL snap, at least on the offensive line until 2014. So a very odd character in terms of his NFL treadwear. So uh, he's not a young guy. He's 32 years old or just about uh, very tall and lean guy. Uh, it's an unusual build for a center at six, five and just over 300 pounds. Uh, you you see that occasionally the guy Myers at uh, Houston, a similar kind of build in terms of lean. How, how did you notice that impacting the play that you looked at it?
4: Well, uh, with which specific one? Well, in I'm, I'm just, in, in,
3: you've, you've, you've got some notes on him and I just wondered mm-hmm. if you noticed anything related to his height. Where he was he was uh, showing, you know, pad level issues relative to shorter defensive tackles who maybe were getting under him.
4: He actually got up a little high to uh, I would say too early in the first quarter, but I don't think it was anything that noticeable later on. OK, all right. It's probably come from him sitting off the bench for a while, but although this was this is already playoff time, so he's got three games under his belt. Okay so
3: he he's a player. what do you what do you like best about Ben Garland characteristic wise in terms of why he's a good match for the for the Ravens
4: He moves well laterally
3: Okay well laterally.
4: Yeah for a man of his size absolutely he does I don't want to equate him to what Tyson Fury just did but yeah
3: more of a zone scheme guy or or can he work in a in a straight ahead power game like the Ravens team? can he be the, can he be the back end of double teams the way that Skurrell was very effective at
4: I can easily see that, but I do see more him effective in zone, which is why Shanahan's scheme works so well.
3: Okay. He's a league minimum guy last year. Uh, don't know. I mean, he his play was reasonably well, and he's obviously obviously playing playoff football for the 49ers, which is a pretty nice place to be in terms of going into a UFA uh, time and not knowing where you're going to be. Uh, But he's 32 years old. What would you expect the Ravens to have to pay for Garland if they were to pick him up?
4: I honestly have no idea. Uh, If I could give you a figure on that, I would. But the way that I kind of want to look at this in another perspective is think about what the Ravens are paying their entire line now, which I don't know the average, but I know it's very, very low. Yes. And the idea that they would pay realistically somebody more than Ronnie Stanley or what he's going to get is in my mind kind of ridiculous because mm-hmm. um, that's where all the money is going to go eventually. We almost know that. Wink, wink, nod, nod. And we obviously hope, of course. But with how they'll say they're operating on a budget and definitely using that 80-20 rule, uh, <laughs> I mean, we can't just look out and say, who's the best guy? Just go get it. Uh, right. I, think, I think Garland is, he, he's a very good player. I don't think he's going to demand an exorbitant amount of money, but it's going to be, a higher number than probably everybody but Yonda.
3: Okay. I I'm looking at Garland and his age and whatnot, and there may be the 49ers may want him back worse than this, but I'm thinking he's probably a two years for 5 million guy, uh, two years for 6 million guy, maybe on the outside. I don't think he's going to demand a, a a huge salary. Uh, the 49ers will want him back at some price, but I just, I doubt they're going to be willing to go and pay $3 million a year for a guy with his NFL, background I and mean, he just hasn't played that much in a very long career kind of like lj fort in that regard a guy who's been around the league for a long time uh, with a lot of teams and hardly played any lifetime snaps he's only only played uh you know just over a season of snaps in a uh really what's a nine or ten year career at this point so you know it's it's i i would agree you know he's a he's a player who certainly appears to have some positives but uh uh, you know, I, I I don't think he's going to command a big number salary-wise, so that's that could be good news. And and by the way, I love the fact that you're looking at a player who's a little bit cheaper here. You know, this is this is definitely you're you're definitely realizing the constraints very uh, very well.
4: Um, I don't want to say I actually passed macroeconomics in college, but it might have had a hand in this.
3: All right, very good. All right, well that's that's a that's a good start. Anything else about Garland you want to say? that's specific and makes him a better fit for the Ravens than, than some of the other players we're going to talk about.
4: Uh, if it helps. Um, I saw him pick up a pancake on a stunt. Um, he actually had a really couple of good seal blocks downfield at around the eight to 10 yard range. So he's definitely capable of hitting L2 and staying there, which mm-hmm. is really good. That's something that I know that you preach upon, let's say um, let's say Skura and Bozeman, for that matter, to not only either pull, but get out there and stay in level two and sustain the block, obviously, for somebody to spring forward.
3: Right. That's that's often a case, particularly on screen blocks, that offensive linemen get to level two and then they get lungy, as I call it. They, they think they... They commit too early because they think they're not quick enough to deal with a a cornerback or a safety there. When all they really need to do, generally speaking, is just maintain relative position, and that keeps a player off the play, and then a- allow that opponent to come to them so that they that they then can initiate the contact. But I, I see too much lunging in level two, and you know a desire sometimes to make a a cut block that is just too difficult relative to staying in position, staying upright, keeping your feet, and trying to trying to. Just get a, a a paw on the guy. A lot of times, I mean, a three hundred pound man, when he pushes around someone like you or me, and I, you know I weigh almost two hundred pounds, uh, it has an enormous impact on on that player. Even a even an athlete who's actually shaped like an athlete at two hundred pounds, uh, you know, it, it has an enormous impact. You see, Ronnie Stanley sometimes get out there and 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 push people just with one hand, and just it's very difficult for them to recover from that.
4: Yeah, I would weigh, I weigh about a quarter of that, so I would be flat. <laughs> Um, but you absolutely right about, let's say leverage is a good word for this too. All
3: right. All right. That's a good one. So Ben Garland played the last three games of the season as the starter for San Francisco and then played all three playoff games all the way through the Super Bowl as their starter and did not look bad. Uh, so let's, uh, let's keep him on the list. So let's go to number two.
4: Okay. I'll skip around a little bit. Let's, um, stick with a former Super Bowl champ of Joe Tooney, although the spelling isn't that way, obviously. So this is a New England Patriots guard. And uh, I picked him because I thought of a contingency plan that I believe that we, you might've alluded to this on a previous show, where you were talking about the idea of moving Bozeman to center in, let's say, the event that McCarry was not there or something may not have worked. Am I right on that?
3: That's that's right. So it's if if they decide that, they either draft a guard or they want Powers to be at guard and Yanda comes back. And is this still the right guard? Uh, they could make that move. Uh, certainly if Skira is, is not available to start the season, I think it's, it's, a, it's within the realm of possibility. You and I both observed this last season, they really didn't make changes that would disrupt the line. Everything was going so well at more than one position. So all of their planning was basically, if there's an injury, we only want to make one change. No, we don't want to we don't want to shift the pieces around like one of those car park puzzles. We just want to make one one change or one for one.
4: Exactly. And I'm down for that as well. Um now this one, though, I believe, is gonna cost more certainly oh, yeah. out of the entire list than anybody else, but I'll throw the name out there because it's a little bit fun and, Uh, This one is a little bit different to me because this gentleman is an NC State grad, so a Wolfpack guy, and he's actually kind of a local boy in my instance. He actually went to uh, Archbishop Alter for high school, and that's not 50 miles from my house.
3: Okay, you're in the Cincinnati area, just so people know. Yes. (laughs) Yes. All right. Right, now, you know, Tooney would be, I would say, one of the most expensive players out there. He's played. He may have played every game of his career, but he's been over twelve hundred snaps every year for, with New England. He's only twenty seven years old. Uh, he played very well last year. I uh, don't know if he's made it to a Pro Bowl yet. No. Amazingly, as a New England player, he's still not made a Pro Bowl in four seasons but he certainly is a, is a high-quality guard and would be one of the highest-priced players for an off, one of the highest-priced offensive linemen out there in free agency this year.
4: Uh, no doubt. Uh, this man looks for work. Now, that being said, in the playoff game that he had against Tennessee, I would credit him responsible for the Tom Brady sack fumble very early in this game because he quite literally kept looking around like head on a swivel, but he didn't block anybody. And the guy he should have blocked is the guy who ended up hitting Brady. Hmm. Um, Now, he did recover from this very well, actually. He's very busy with his hands. Um, So he keeps guys, you know, keeps their hands down. So there's, let's say, you know, no swatting at the line of scrimmage, a la in the Joe Flacco days. Um, And he actually has really good pins to, let's say, give cutback lanes. I saw him actually double um, a defensive tackle, edge rusher multiple times. Uh, he did miss a delayed blitz though when he was trying to get to level two. Uh, basically, they at one point the Titans put a safety down in the box, and they then sent that safety flying. And as he's moving up into level two past the mic, he kind of just looks at the safety run right by him and just puts his hands up like. What so this happened?
3: was effectively a run <laughs> blitz, right? Because yeah, he's be exactly. Really going downfield, okay. <laughs>
4: right. right. That makes a lot of sense. Yes, uh, but it didn't matter anyway because, the ha- I mean, Michelle was already gone up the field for 10 yards anyway. It just was a matter of circumstance, I would put it. All right. Uh, but he, yeah. multiple times he did show pulling ability. For, so this is going from left guard to right, akin to what Bozeman does already. Um, so they did run some of those pull concepts that, let's say, we know, of course, in the Ravens world, obviously not with Tom Brady running an option. Uh, They did have they did run several screens, both at halfback and wide receiver. Um, He wasn't really involved in the wide receiver screens, though. Uh, But there were a couple times that on halfback screens, you know how you're allowed to get up, let's say about one yard ahead of the line of scrimmage. They'll kind of forgive you for that. He's very alert to this. He knows exactly where the line is and stays there and lets everything, let's say, let the lets the field stay as is, and then he finds the block.
3: I could see how that'd be very useful on the Ravens because obviously that when they're running option and uh, or or even when they're just running play action sometimes, and Jackson is is leaving and heading downfield, uh, you know there there are lots of opportunities where being a yard upfield would be very useful, and uh, and that's a that's a it's certainly a good characteristic. It's just he, he is he is without question one of the most expensive you know lineman free agency. He's going to be a ten million dollar a year guy. I would estimate based on his level of play and whatnot was not penalized this last season. Like Marshall Yonda went the whole regular season without being penalized Uh, Has a very good pass blocker rating from PFF. That's been ascending for four years. So I think if you looked at him, I think it would be hard to find a better available guard than him, but it's great to have him on the list. I mean, you you may as well have your Christmas list, have tiered things kind of like if you're applying to college, but uh, he's, He's the he's the stretch player.
4: You're absolutely right. And I'd say the other contingency behind this is what is the development of Ben Powers? If the Ravens don't think he's there and they want to make the investment because they're in quote-unquote win-now mode, this is a guy they can go get. But if they feel that he's obviously and they like where Bozeman is at too, I think there's this one's just simply a fade, as they would say in the gambling community.
3: Yeah, and then they, they, they take a... They take a chance on the players they have if they uh, if if they like Powers. That, it's 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 a, it's a it, I, he's not definitely you wouldn't put the current Ravens young players whether it's Powers or Bozeman uh, on the back burner and they're going to draft somebody. Of the, you know, have got some good ideas on who they might draft. Uh, probably a draft is coming at guard or center. I would certainly think they'll, they'll get at least one interior offensive lineman. Although they might get a tackle. Uh, it's really, it it does not seem to fit where they are now to sign a really high-priced interior offensive lineman. But Tooney would be a big, big improvement to the line to bring him in.
4: 100%. And as a point of emphasis on this, if any of your viewers want to go back and watch something, in the third quarter, there's a play where 50 off the left edge completely beats that left tackle. And Tooney just flat- drops him on his ass. It is a beautiful block, terrific pancake, and it keeps Brady alive. And I think it's actually the play where he ended up hitting uh, whoever 84 was on a late break downfield for 30 yards. So there's a highlight block on film there if you want to see what this guy's really capable of.
3: All right. All right. Well, very good. So Joe Tooney is a, is Ed's stretch pick. Let's go on to number three. Who do you got?
4: Uh, let's be a little more realistic with this one. Uh, let's go... To um, where some Ravens fans know as Denver with Joe Flacco and Connor Mcgovern, and I want to be make sure I want make sure I get this right. This is the Connor Mcgovern that plays for Denver that went to Missouri, not the mm-hmm. Connor Mcgovern that is playing for Dallas who went to Penn State.
3: Gotcha. So another young guy. Yes. Uh, he's 20, not yet 27. And played three years in the league. although It looks like he missed his rookie year due to injury, perhaps. He was a, a, a draftee as opposed to a UDFA in that, that season.
4: That's right. Uh, this kid, uh, he's actually got a pretty good punch. Uh, I think you've actually wished that you've ha- asked for this from some of your other linemen on the defensive side. Um, but uh, actually, good use of hands. Yeah, uh, I've seen him pick up a couple of spin moves really well is absolutely very, very cautious and very alert about passing off blocks and well aware of just being gap sound. So when there's a blitzer coming, he identifies where that gap is and getting the proper communication done. And this was the game that I watched him against. I didn't mark the opponent, of course, uh, Indianapolis. That was the famous Adam Vinatieri mystery field goals. Then he made the, uh, very end one. Mm-hmm. Uh I noticed that out of shotgun snaps, um, I don't, I didn't see any problem there. I, I know, I think Skura was dinged a couple of points on PFF this year for that, if not mistaken.
3: Yes, that's that's a that's a important thing is not having having good shotgun snaps very important with Jackson because he takes almost every snap out of shotgun, and you do not want to distract or mess up the timing on the play by having that be just a bit outside and him having to either you know, fumble it or or uh, or bobble it and then have to reacquire the field.
4: I love the uh, Major League reference you dropped there. There you
3: go. I hope
4: it didn't spoil that for your viewers trying to guess what that was from.
3: No, they, uh, they got it. <laughs>
4: <laughs> good. Uh, so uh, there was a point of note here that he did a, a couple of times allow free hand to come up in the air and pass protection, which is, of course, at risk for, you know, a batted ball deflection. But you could arguably compensate that for Lamar using different angles than what Joe Flacco is going to use. So even if it did happen, okay. Maybe he recovers, or maybe Lamar bails him out. Um, He does have effective double teams. Uh, Similar to that of Joe Tooney, he also is very alert to the line of scrimmage on screens. Uh, Every time that they ran a screen, or actually there was a a broken play uh, where there was a QB scramble of Joe, and he made sure he didn't get out and block downfield illegally, which was very good. Uh, he did have a collapse in the red zone that was a little bit concerning that forced a throw away, um, and he was susceptible to a like let's say a chop hand movement, kind of like what they show at the combine on that um, that bag drill they do, and mm-hmm. they ask the lineman to go up, down, and across. It was almost that drill that actually beat him down the center a couple times. All right. Um, All right yeah, and then so let's beyond, finish your finish your individual
3: yeah, yeah. notes that you've you've seen, and then I want to talk a little bit about where this guy's been in his career so far.
4: Uh, certainly. Uh, the other parts I have on here was that he actually did miss an a cutback block and um, I'm gonna say mid l one to l two, and he completely whiffed an l two block on the middle. So there are concerns here with what he's doing consistently, but at the very least, he's capable of getting to level two. It's a matter of actually finishing the block, finishing the play. Okay. But so I, I will say if it came to a gap read, he can get that. And that's what the Ravens run.
3: Okay. And how about picking up a blitzer or stunt recognition, stunt handoff skills, any, any evidence of that in the games you watched?
4: Stunts? Yes. Blitzes? No. At least it didn't seem like the Colts blitzed that often. So it wasn't there.
3: Okay um the reason i ask is because mcgovern there may be a raven he reminds me of and the guy i would i would point to is ryan jensen uh he's a guard converted to center he converted to center in 2018 and was initially absolutely awful uh, particularly as a pass blocker just terrible and in 2019 he showed up he's a whole different player and played very well in a full season at center and that's Protecting Joe Flacco, which is not the easiest assignment in the world for a for a center, never is. So, yeah. So uh, uh, you know, you see that kind of growth between level three and level four. I wonder if he really invested in himself with a lot of off training activities to improve his game. And I also kind of wonder if we've seen the top of what Connor McGovern can offer in terms of his 2019 play. So it may be that that the you know a player has taken a great leap forward, and another is not tremendously likely. Now, Jensen didn't have a great first year at Tampa. He did have a very good second year at Tampa. I think he might have even made the Pro Bowl, but he was certainly among the highest PFF-rated centers again this year. So, uh, you know, he he was a good player, but McGovern is is a, a player with a checkered past, a checkered 2009 pre 2019 past I'd say you know center is the right position for him but it wasn't the right position for him in 2018 he didn't look good there at all so the really question is 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 he really has he really taken to a new level of work ethic necessary to play center or learn the position and then also you bring him in and is he a guy who can immediately pick it up do all the other things that are necessary to run the offensive line for the Ravens.
4: I, I'm even not sure about that. Uh, to that point, he played in a spread system at Missouri, even though that he played on the bad Missouri team before they actually had a slight turnaround, if you want to call it anything like that. Um, but what I see out of him is if he's capable, let's say, what I mentioned earlier, that gap read play, and the Ravens run this a lot. This is where the center is responsible for picking up the Will linebacker. And he basically has to just, attack the defensive tackle ahead of him and then just drift to the will as opposed to let's say working his way up i think that he's very capable of doing this now the rest of it in terms of obviously calling out let's say um pass protection is it going to be a a thing that let's say if evolves or plateaus or even sinks i i don't know and i i think he's obviously hit his stride in some aspect but i do question what in the world happened two years ago and what is the guy is the guy we're getting now part of recency bias or because of just genuinely good work
3: right okay well that's uh, that's fair enough in terms of what he might make this year he's not going to come cheap at least i don't think he will i think he'll he probably won't get what jensen did but he probably will get a pretty substantial contract in this in this off season. Uh, somebody will take a chance on this guy. They just he's he's got more of a checkered history. Jensen had more of a of a not very much total snaps played prior to his breakout year in year 4. Uh, so whether this guy is is 7 million or 10 million per year, I think that's kind of the range for him. I don't think he's I don't think he'd be a cheapie. He's, in terms of age, he, he's the kind of player people like to gamble on in free agency being young enough that you're still buying into his prime years.
4: And that's definitely the idea with where he's at. So if you're going to make the investment, it's not going to be, you know, a, let's say a large investment, but certainly one that's worth noting. And again, it's it's a risk, it's a gamble. I'm not, I'm not seeing it entirely, but I can see the idea of maybe a roll the dice sort of thing.
3: Okay. So in my mind, they'd have to be pretty sure of McGovern and pretty unhappy with their own players on the in the interior offensive line. To make a move like that because you 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 bring in mcgovern i mean he's starting you you're, you're not going to waste the money right. if he's if he's not starting so that immediately puts a player like McCarry on the bench and it means you're not you're you're he would i'm sure continue to be the backup but you you'd be basically signaling that scura was going to miss the season i think
4: and, and that was and, the idea behind this one entirely is that scura is flat gone and we have to 100 percent rely on McCarry. They're gonna they're just gonna go ahead and do it anyway. They'd spend the money and say, Let's try it. Hopefully we get what we what we just seen as opposed to what we saw.
3: Okay. And another another point about McGovern is that he's not the kind of guy who would be looking for a prove it deal. He's clearly looking for a long term deal after what's his best season so far in year four. And I think regardless of money, I mean if if it ended up being the market for him was only five to six million per year for a four year deal, I think he'd take that before he would go somewhere and play one year for three or four million just as a quote-unquote prove-it year. The last thing you want to do if you're Conor McGovern or if you're Conor McGovern's agent is risk a prove-it year (laughs) when he's been checkered in terms of his past. So I I, I think wherever he signs, it's going to be pretty significant money and a a longer-term commitment than than maybe the Ravens are willing to do. But anyway, again, nice to have players at various tiers on your wish lists of free agents.
4: Thank you. I appreciate that. Who's number four for you? Uh, so you'll actually recognize this name. It starts with T and ends with Oni Bergstrom.
3: <laughs> I love this guy. Thanks. I used to I used to run a test for new actuaries we'd have, and I'd say, we get to a certain point in it, and I'd say, I'll tell you what, it rhymes with schmunder writing. And then we <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Tony Bergstrom now, truly an old man now, age 33 stop
4: it with that old man thing. I'm the same age as this guy.
3: Yeah, well, I'm 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 somewhat older and so I'm a lot more uh, <laughs> I'm a lot older. Somewhat. But Yeah. yeah.
4: Well, uh, I'm sorry. I don't, to, I don't want to
3: interrupt you. You get you oh, get him you? started. Okay, well, it's, okay. I remember him being very ineffective in his year with the Ravens and not playing a whole lot. Uh, you know, sold to us in 2017 as a guy who could play tackle or guard, uh, played a portion of a season. And, uh, and I, I I have to look at my own offensive line sheets. I'll bring, I'm going to bring that up while you're talking about what you do like about him. And then I'll have the offensive line stuff from 2017 to to give you more information about what I had per game for this guy.
4: That's totally fair. Uh, Now, of course, besides being with the Ravens, he spent some time with the Raiders before they jumped to Vegas, the Texans and uh, the very near and dear to your heart, Washington Redskins. Uh, So, Uh, I watched his game against the Giants because he had a lot of snaps in there. And he actually does something that you might recognize here, and he pulls. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that the Redskins run the same offense we do, nor is it that good. However, he's definitely effective at it. Uh, So he understands if he's going to pull, find your assignment and find it fast. Uh, He's definitely capable of doing let's say communications where they're passing off blocks to each other left and right, both sides. I noticed that, and he does pick up other for other people who've gotten shedded. So if I did see a couple times when the right guard got beat, he came over, he helped out. He would pin the defensive tackle or edge if it was a stunt and basically keep Haskins alive for that matter. Of course it didn't matter in this game because the Redskins lost. They actually lost by 20 But he did show effort getting downfield on a QB scramble. I noticed there was a play, it was in the red zone where Haskins, nothing downfield, ended up just kind of pump faking to his right. He rolls out to his right and decides to take off. And Bergstrom is already looking for somebody to basically hit. That's the attitude that we need to see. So whatever he had back years ago, it seems either something has just clicked or he knows that he's trying to get, he has to play for money because he's hitting free agency anyway.
3: And it's the almost the end of his football life at this point. I mean, he was a senior citizen draft pick in round three of the Ravens of the Raiders in 2012. And in 2012, just to give you an idea, he was already 25 and change, might have been almost 26 at the time of the draft. So he's an older player that they got in. And he's been in the league now for eight seasons, hasn't played all of those with any particular team. But uh, he's been with five teams during that time. And uh, logged a whopping thirteen hundred plus NFL snaps, which is not what—not really exciting. Certainly not a lot of uh, of total treadwear, but certainly not exciting in terms of him being able to get himself on the field.
4: Not exactly. No, it's it's a number, okay? Doesn't mean anything. <laughs> actually, it doesn't mean it doesn't benefit him. So if we're looking for experience uh, by years and by age, sure. But by Football field minimal.
3: I, I, you know, some of what attracted the Ravens to him before was the fact that they thought he could play either tackle or guard, and he's a taller guy, six five. You know, maybe they thought somehow he would have the feet to step in a tackle if anything happened to Stanley or Brown, which was obviously very likely to to be the case. Actually, this is 2017, so this is pre-Brown. Uh,
4: I, I thought of that, and the name that came to mind, of course, is James Hurst. <laughs> Yes, and I know how Ravens fans feel about him. But the idea was, let's say if you picked up a guy like this who could be almost an emergency swing, is it that much of an upgrade? I don't even know if it is at all. But at the cost, it's probably better.
3: It's an interesting, it's an interesting cost dynamic because he should cost the vet minimum in in my opinion. Uh, you know he did play uh, some snaps last year, but certainly wasn't a regular. He's got 31 snaps of experience with the Ravens in 2017 that may have left a very bad taste in their mouth because he didn't score well. He had uh, 10 yards of penalties, and he scored a .35, which is a clear F in his one game as a Raven. Those were his only snaps. He never saw the field otherwise. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but the Ravens had two offensive linemen that kind of swung through town for a brief cup of coffee, neither effectively. But the other one was uh, Bowanko. Who, uh, who actually played in the Green Bay game and uh, and wasn't absolutely terrible. He, he had a C-minus in his only graded game, but the rest of his games were just kind of meh uh, with some sixth offensive lineman activity and whatnot. But uh, Bergstrom's play with the Ravens obviously was not good. It was only in that Week 2 game against Cleveland in 2017.
4: I've been pronouncing Blanco's name wrong this entire time. All
3: Thank right. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> All um, right. So you got, you got four guys for us there. Is there anybody else who you said, we just can't afford this guy or or we can't get this guy because A or B or C that was on your list?
4: Yeah, I, I kicked the tires on uh, two other guys, Austin Blythe and Ted Karras, but I just I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it from a perspective of either becoming a Raven or I just think they're better suited elsewhere. Um, okay. Karras was for New England and Blythe is for the Rams.
3: Yeah, so Austin Blythe he took over at center and played in that Ravens game at LA. Uh, I, I guess he wasn't terrible for the year. He's a little undersized for the position. He's under 300 pounds, but uh, you know hasn't been in the league forever. He's been in the league for four years, so he's still a younger guy. Uh, what was it? What was it about Blythe that you say this is a guy we want to have?
4: Uh, he looked like he was going to be really affordable, but okay. he 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 gets lost in space. No reference to that movie whatsoever. <laughs> um, Karras is just a little a tad slow, and I I know that you were big on the idea of like for Skura, he's very good about when he pulls. He doesn't step on anybody else's feet. It's one of the it's worst really... things that can happen to alignment is getting your feet tangled.
3: Yeah, that's it's what Skura does well is post up well in the middle, and he knows the dance steps with his with his feet, such that he doesn't step on the guard's feet when he pulls. And that's the big distinction because Maureen and I have been scoring some 2006 stuff with with uh, Flynn at center, and it's like he knew that he, his dance step that he knew was to immediately move his left foot back and step on Edwin Militalo or later on somebody else who was playing left guard for the Ravens at that point. Step on their foot immediately and disrupts any pull. Uh, he must have done that a handful of times anyway. He also stepped on the quarterback's foot a lot, which is really bad. So uh, Bowler and, and McNair both uh, had their foot stepped on by Flynn that season.
4: I'd also say that uh, uh, Karras' credit that I didn't see him step on Brady's feet uh, ever, uh, but I, I just I wasn't seeing like the, the idea of getting that movement to where it would work in Roman's new scheme. That's kind of the point with that.
3: Yeah, uh, I mean, that's fair enough. And Karras is a younger guy also. I mean, he would be very expensive. Uh, exactly. In terms of a a guy that the Ravens want to get, he played the full season at center for New England, so I wouldn't expect him to be. Uh, certainly wouldn't expect him to be cheap, but I but you know coming off his fourth year and still only twenty seven years old, I think he's he's going to command a pretty big number.
4: I'm with you 100 on that.
3: All right, all right. So let's let's talk about what characteristics it is that the Ravens should really be looking at at free agency. Obviously, we've identified one is is cost. They, it yes. really makes more sense for the Ravens to stay cheap on the interior offensive line, whether that means draft or going out and getting a guy, maybe like uh, Ben Garland who wouldn't cost that much and could be a, a, a player to help you for a year or two, or maybe maybe Ben Garland is a prove it guy that he comes to Baltimore and, and this is a year he'll play for $3 million say, and he's, he's someone who uh, is trying to decide, try to, get another contract i don't really think that's the case in garland's age i think he needs to maximize his earnings in what might be two remaining seasons given his age but uh anyway that he costs certainly a factor with whoever they's got uh, with whoever else they got how much did you value anchor versus mobility as you went through guys that you, you considered for the ravens
4: i'm all about mobility anchor you look you got stanley and brown can do that uh, as far as the inside guys right now, it's just really it's Yonda. I don't see it as often from Bozeman, although he did improve on, on the back half of the season. Certainly that Seattle game was definitely the turning point for him. Skura has moments of this. Uh, I'm not really seeing it with McCary. And then as far as the backup situation is concerned, well, I know what Hearst is capable of. And uh, I mean, Andre Smith is still on the roster. Yeah, if that means anything.
3: Yeah, it's in, it's absolutely incredible that he is, frankly. But uh, I think they're they're going to go through camp with him and give every buddy who might be there a chance to compete with him. And and I don't believe Smith has guaranteed money in this deal, but we'll see. And uh, and that'll be a interesting interesting camp battle. But Shane Ray and and Pernell McPhee and Michael Floyd weren't guaranteed spots last year, and Michael and McPhee was the only one who got one. That sounds right. All right. Um, I, I am bigger probably on anchor as a pass blocker. But in terms of what the Ravens do, since they run so many double teams and most guys can hold the back end of a double team once they are set up uh, or if they have the mobility, they can they can get to level two and be the climber. Uh, I, I'm okay with either of those, and, and I'm willing probably at center for the Ravens to give up a little bit in terms of anchoring ability, although I certainly love having it there in the middle. It's it's definitely a plus when you do.
4: If I could uh, pick your brain on something for a second on this idea, do you remember the 2013 NFL draft?
3: Uh, you, you're like, you're going to have to be more specific. For the Ravens, yeah. I remember no, just, it.
4: Just Just in general. Because okay. at the very beginning of that draft, at the top of that draft, the debate was between Eric Fisher and Luke Jokel, uh-huh. neither of which were the best linemen in that class. And the best lineman by far was Lane Johnson. And Lane was the most athletic. And we really haven't seen a lineman like Lane in basically ages. Um, although we've seen guys that can jump, guys that can bench, that's different. But just as a whole, that athleticism and that mobility, you can't buy that. If and I can I, see something on film where I can so I can see that you can move or you have good footwork, I'll take that footwork. We can coach you know anchoring ability or whatever that may be.
3: I, i'm 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 of the opinion it's harder probably to teach the anchor. I think that's the thing you you just have to be bigger and more physical and and it's it's something that's very difficult to teach. but the the mobility, I mean, the guy, the prototype for improving his mobility at the pro at the pro level in recent years for the Ravens is Bozeman. I mean, he just he, he did not look like he had that, did not look like he could certainly had the, had any kind of speed to be a zone blocker, which is part of what helped him survive into the sixth round for the Ravens. And a lot of other teams needed centers, uh, but they still got him at that point because a lot of people said, well, he won't fit our zone scheme. And then they they the Ravens got him, of course, and he's shown much more mobility. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's a, I agree it's it's a, he's not a quick, but it's a plotting mobility uh, and, and some ability to get to level two and make blocks. It's been much better than, than what I expected to get out from based on the scouting reports we had coming out of school.
4: I'm with you on that.
3: All right. Yeah, Lane Johnson picked number four in that draft by, by Philadelphia. So it's not like he was too far behind Fisher and Jokel in terms of the draft capital expended. But I, I, I get the point you're making is that is that Johnson was probably the best of those three, uh, though Fisher hasn't been bad and uh, and did deserve to uh, maybe to be the top pick uh, of those three.
4: I, I just I figured they were just going to flip a coin and pick either Jokel or Fisher or anyway, and they were just going to forget that Lane existed. Sure enough, sure enough it kind of happened that way. Yeah, there's
3: always I mean, the best the best line in the draft was probably Travis Frederick, who was drafted later in the first round in in, uh, in that draft. Um, and DeAndre Hopkins was the was the first round player who was probably most undervalued, not not being taken until 27. And Matt Elam was maybe the worst first round pick, although there's a there's a bunch of other bad ones in there uh, earlier on.
4: I don't know. That's like that's a Gator great, as they say. <laughs> I do agree. <laughs> the first-rounders, right. yeah.
2: All
3: right, well, Ed, pleasure having you on. Anything else you want to say about the available offensive linemen before we uh, shut it down?
4: Uh, as far as available in free agency, no. I'm going to tell you if you're looking in, ahead into the draft, uh, I'm sure that the name uh, Cesar Ruiz will yes. ring a bell, some Ravens fans. Uh, watch Lloyd Cushenberry, by the way, out of LSU.
3: You know, you're the second person in a row who said that because we had – uh, coach Evans on and he re- he loves cushion he thought the Ravens could take him at 28 I don't see that happening but you know they they could take him further down he might be a fourth round selection for them if he lasts that long uh, it, it's it's certainly a possibility Ruiz is the other name you mentioned there we talked about compound points but this is the example of how I end up giving a long a long answer to this kind of thing Ruiz yeah. is a is a uh, a center who's slight of build so, I, I, you know, he's younger, which is his big positive, but he's, uh, of those Michigan linemen, I probably like him the least, even though he's most maybe the most highly regarded. And it's, it's a matter not of liking the least, it's liking the least for where he's likely to be drafted. So if they could get a Wenu, um, you know, in the fourth round, which I think is a possibility, or maybe they'd have to take him in the third, but if they could get him in the fourth round, that's a massive body to get in there at left guard and you really would have an earth mover. They could even change the handedness of their run game to fit that or, or make him the right guard and, and, and install uh, uh, powers elsewhere or keep powers as a backup. But he's, he to me is a, is an exciting draft player.
4: Based on historical data of how the Ravens, let's say, handle the offensive line by typically not deferring to the first round with of course, obviously the Mm -hmm. exception of like Ogden Stanley, things like that um it, it he fits the bill for that yeah um, although the, i'd say the other kind of the rule of thumb is how many offensive linemen literally are left after the first two rounds well and
3: it's, it's, a, it's a, everybody thinks there's no no good ones but the ravens have had a very very good success rate of getting that inside linebacker and whatnot with later round picks and and uh uncovering value a lot of that is small school stuff but then then you get a bozeman who's right out of alabama in a late late round pick and and that's uh you know, an unbelievably good selection. So, uh,
4: uh I'd be totally be down for that. If there's any Alabama player that falls in the sixth round again, I don't care to go ahead and take them.
3: <laughs> All right. Ed, thanks for joining us again. Uh, we appreciate it. Love to have you on again, maybe talk about the draft coming up, uh, at some point point. and, uh, appreciate you doing this. Tell us, tell folks again, uh, what your Twitter handle is. So I think that's where you do a lot of your communication about football.
4: Yeah. one more time that's at vengeance. And I'm sure you'll go ahead and tag me in that anyway. I would appreciate that. Thank you very much. I'll, I'm also going to put a please in there as well. I know my mom will kill me if I don't ask if I don't say that. Um, it's an automatic like I said,
3: when I promo the show, so don't worry.
4: <laughs> um, and then uh, let's say looking beyond this, um, if you want to know some college basketball stuff, I'm happy to help you with that. But as far as the draft is, trust me, I will ramp it up uh, come April because I'll actually have – Uh, some film study that I'll watch. I'll do some scouting reports. Um, Those of you football fans out there, I highly, highly recommend every single year, pick up a copy of the Phil Steele magazine. It is the easiest way to figure out who's who first and get a beat on what teams you're going to watch for that specific reason. There's always players that are bolded, highlighted, and let's say to give you almost a, you know, put it under a microscope and say, which guys am I looking for? Easily gets you a jump ahead in the game.
3: Life's good, Ed. Appreciate you coming on. And I uh, want to also remind people out there that we're looking for people to do film study shorts over the offseason here, particularly in the dead period after the draft, before training camp really starts. That's a great time to get your study that was done. And you know, whatever uh, analysis you've done, Ed did one on on looking at how the Ravens playbook mapped to Madden. One time that was kind of entertaining. That's that's uh, that's still out there if you want to take a listen on that. But we have we, we're looking for people who have original content and and do studies of their own. They layer on information to what's available from the normal public sources. Uh, if all you're going to do is come on and quote yardage and and touch statistics, you know people already have that. But we do want to we do want to let you explain your own analysis and and are looking always for for new people to do that. Thanks again, Ed, and we'll see you next time on film study.
4: Appreciate it. Thank you Birdland sports for fans by fans.
2: Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com.